The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Now is the time of year to embrace local food from farmers in our communities. Our growing season is going strong and a variety of local vegetables are in seasons and the berries will be here soon. Look for loose greens when you're buying greens or read your packaging to make sure it's grown regionally. Dairy and meat is available year round and we've got sassy cow milk, hope butter, cheese, Larry Schultz eggs, pastures of plenty pork, Peterson beef and cottage on chickens at Lakewinds. You can also get great river milling local milled flowers and it's not just your regular flowers they've got the spelt the rice the almond and all the other flower blends your local co-op also has honey maple syrup granola they've got locally roasted coffee and they've got kimchi hummus salsas dips how about having a grain salad with chickpeas mint and feta or try farro it's great in salad with cranberries almond slivers and parsley or mint and the lemony herb salad girl salad dressing that you can find in the produce section of your Lakewinds co-op you can also amp up slaws and potato salads everything is better with local flavors and if you can't make it to Lakewinds visit the food co-op in your neighborhood the Lakewinds that you can find are in Minnetonka Chanhassen and Richfield and they have delivery from Instacart at lakewinds.com Welcome to the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March, and I am here with Miss Elizabeth Reese today. Are Hello. you there, Miss Elizabeth? I am here, my friend. It is so nice to hear your voice this morning. This is so fun. I know. I am broadcasting from home, which I have been doing um, ever since the pandemic hit. And you know, I was home a lot before that right. anyway. So I had a system at home, so I was able to broadcast. So when you said, can you do Weekly Dish? I said, yes, and I'll do it from home. And that way, we just minimize who's coming into the studio. We're totally. Keeping on with the social distancing, even though it would be much more fun to be in the same room with you. And, you know, I mean, like, it's almost like just having a phone chat, you know? It's just like we're sitting on the phone together. Are you, like, in your jammies and you have a nice cup of coffee? I do have a nice cup of coffee, (laughs) and I'm just in my, like, one pair of maternity workout leggings that I will be wearing every day um, until this baby comes, and... Yeah, everything is good. I made some pancakes for the kiddos this morning. See, this is kind of a cool idea. I don't know. And then just um, had got a little work done and put some notes in for you. And then now here we are. So yeah, it's it's working out great. And then we were just kind of making plans for the rest of the weekend as everybody's doing. I know it is, and and hopefully it's going to be a good weekend. And hopefully we're gonna. We're going to have some good uh, weather and hold the rain off, I guess, until Sunday night. And it's a Father's Day weekend. It's a yeah. Father's Day so weekend, My right? husband is allowed to golf tomorrow. Oh. Um, you know, he's never allowed to golf on the weekends except for Father's Day. <laughs> and then a couple of very carefully arranged tournaments. But um, yeah, uh, so he's excited to get out there. But I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, what can we do for dad and and just kind of do something special, even though it's a weird year. It is a weird year. And, you know, I... I I was saying earlier that I think in a weird way that dads like kind of like having their people around them, you know what I mean? And so it's a little bit like if having them around them and just sort of, you know, hanging out in the backyard and putzing around the house, that kind of feels very dad, you know, very daddish. So totally, it could totally work instead of having all the, you know, the, you know, the hullabaloo and all the rest. Maybe it is just like sitting in your backyard and throwing some stuff on a fire. Well, listen, I have to share with you that my, um, so our childcare, our little preschool does, 
this que- these questions with the the kids every year for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Yeah. And so they ask all about my dad, and then they ask the kids to fill in the blanks. So if you want to know, they ask my five-year-old all about my dad. Um, his job is, and she said, working and teaching people <laughs> to play golf. Um, he was also, she was also asked, he loves to eat. Fill that in. Yeah. He, uh, she replied, salads, pizza, oh. and cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's the three food groups yep, right there. And then also was asked, his favorite drink is, and my five-year-old replied about her father, Orange juice and beer <laughs> together. That's called the lunchbox. Yeah, that's it. Uh, my two-year-old said that he loves to eat of his father. Yeah. chicken food. Chicken food. Mm-hmm. And said that his favorite drink is Spindrift. So, if you want to know what your children perceive <laughs> oh of you, it is really funny to ask those questions. Yeah, and that's like our favorite part of Father's Day and Mother's Day is they bring those little sheets home. Yeah, and we just crack up at what they have to say. I do remember the my giant baby. Now uh, I remember he brought home one once. You know, very, very little. I think maybe kindergarten. And yeah. it, it said, "What is you know what is my favorite? What is your mom's favorite thing?" And he said, "Wine and dark chocolate." <laughs> And I was like, nailed it. Totally got it right. Yes, that is super fun. I love that. That's cute. I love that. All right. So we have a great show. We are going to talk some more about Father's Day later in the show. Uh, We're going to talk about some cookout stuff. And we're going to I'm going to give you three whiskey picks for your dad if you want, because that I've gotten a couple calls. People were wondering. Um, We are also going to talk about some bakeries and cakes, because I think also as we're heading into sort of picnic season, it's a good time to pick up and bring something, you know, like a cake. To, oh, sure. to wherever you're going. Um, we're also going to talk about the State Fair food booths that are arriving. Very and, important. Um, we're going to also talk about your garden. But first, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the weird, um, you know, with the whole stuff that's going on in the country right now and sort of this very interesting thing that's happening with the processed food icons, if you well, will. I mean, it is about <laughs> time with this. I This is so Stephanie, this interesting. This is so shocking to me. That we still have the caricature of Aunt Jemima on the syrup. Not to mention the fact that the syrup is offensive. It's an offensive syrup. Because it's just not (laughs) even real syrup. It's good. It's not real syrup. I used to think that like I could never give kids syrup because I hate the smell yeah. of sticky syrup on children yes, after I, they've eaten pancakes. And then I realized it's not real syrup. It's when you have fake syrup that you get that weird, gross, fake maple scent for yeah. hours. In my house, you are allowed to eat anywhere pretty much. You know, like take your plate and you can go eat anywhere except... If there's syrup on your plate, like that is the one rule that if there is syrup anywhere in a meal, you must sit at the counter or the table because yeah. it's not going anywhere. But in my the Aunt Jemima syrup is not real syrup. So, uh, yes, yeah. I think th- that that offensive and racist caricature should go. I also think just the syrup in general should. go. <laughs> well, let's be let's just buy the maple syrup. And here's an idea. Let's have an icon of a tree. I don't know. Yeah, like let's like a maple tree. But what's weird about this to me is the is the idea that, you know, people are, are kind of hearkening to this thing where they're holding on to it like, no, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a memory of, you know, it's something from my childhood. And I'm like, it's a processed food marketing bit. Yeah. That's like, exactly let's what it never is. forget that this is marketing to you and pulling at your at your emotions to get you to buy more things. Why does that deserve like a place in your heart? I don't know. Eskimo pie, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's cream of wheat, all changing. Yeah. Um, and then the question is, is that going to continue on to dis- into some sports teams that have been just so 
like holding on yeah. just with everything they have to keep their names. No. I'm and talking I, to you, Cleveland Indians yeah. and Washington Redskins. Oh, the Redskins. Come on. Um, and they're saying, a lot of experts are saying that these rebranding announcements are long overdue. That's exactly how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, companies are trying to figure out um, how to boost diversity efforts and combat racism. And it starts by not having racist images on your products. Right. And I know a lot of people don't understand I mean, and I would encourage the people who are sort of befuddled by this and sort of think they're taking, you know, it's all too fast and it's too much to really do some research about where all of the, you yeah. know, the idea of like having a mammy on your syrup bottle, where that comes from right. and, and, and what that means to people other than yourself. And that's a big thing of, I think, I see some people posting these things about Nancy Green, who is the woman who was the original, you know, Aunt Jemima and how she was, you know, paid very well. And she was, you know, this and she and she turned into sort of a millionaire and an icon for, for you know, a, an activist in the in the black community way back then. But understanding who Aunt Jemima, the symbol is, is important. It's interesting. There's um, a man named David Pilgrim, because I was looking at this in USA Today today, and he he is the founder of the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia oh, in Big Rapids, Michigan. And here's what he said. Um, and this, I think, is like a nice way to sort of put a bow on it and kind of figure out how you can get to the place where you understand that these images need to be in the past. Yeah. Um, David Pilgrim said, one of the things these all share is this idea of reducing black people to happy servants whose greatest joy in life is to serve white people. Yep. When, we do, when we reduce people to that one dimension, it both shapes and reflects attitudes that people have about black people. And he said, my life's work is to convince people to voluntarily get rid of them or not purchase them in the first place. He's talking about these you know, products that are branded with these racist images. And he said, these are the kind of objects that should be either in a museum Yeah. So we remember our history or in a garbage can. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. I start to see this stuff. I have long looked at the Aunt Jemima and thought this. I know this is not okay. Right. 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 And the Mrs. Butterworth is only like a hair off because they want it to be a grandmother figure. But when you know that the history comes from. You know, the mammy sort of caricature. I think that's like a little a happy slave. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's Uncle Ben. Yes. Uncle Ben, the same thing. I always wondered about that. And I thought, and it's weird to me that people are like, so, you know, like sort of twisted about it when they don't even know the history of who these people were, you know, or the even what like the basis of it was. Yeah. And again, it's an image meant it's, to sell you something. It's not like this. Thank you this cultural icon of our time no it is not no and so i want to give you i want to give people one that they can support then because i do think that there's uh something to say about honoring the past and honoring the people who have done the work you know over over and over and over the years so uncle nearest is a whiskey that is on the market right now and it's called uncle nearest premium whiskey and i don't know if you've heard about this but he it dates back to 1856 and here's the thing about it. This is uh, this is the distillery in Tennessee where uh, they basically invented Tennessee whiskey oh, on this yeah. farm. And Uncle Nearest was, you know, the enslaved human who was working there for this minister, Dan Hill, and creating the whiskey. And he was known far and wide because he was filtering his whiskey through sugar maple charcoal. Now, this is a technique that has defined 
Tennessee whiskey. And, and, he, de- and he developed he it. He developed it, and they have traced it back to West African roots, to a tradition in West Africa. So this is something that has come from West Africa. It, it turned, you know, into a, the, it's called the Lincoln County process now. And basically, Uncle Nearest Green was known as this very kind, wonderful man who was the father of Tennessee whiskey, basically. And of course, the young farmhand who learned from him was none other than Jack Daniels. And took it. And he didn't take it as much as he sort of learned from him, and they did it together. Okay. And then Jack Daniels became the businessman who really started selling their whiskey from the from that farm. And then he opened a separate, a second distillery. And when Uncle Nearest decided to retire, his family came along. And so the Green family and the Jack Daniels family are actually very intertwined. Oh. And they grew up together and they have lifelong friendships and stuff. So I think the problem was that the, the everybody obviously turned to the Jack Daniels name and then assigned the history to that. And unintentionally, and I think the nearest Green family kind of got lost in the mix. And so in 2016, they decided to, there was like 20, you know, some journalists and historians who decided to dig out the history of it. And they found it and now they're distilling under his name again. And that's it's really cool. It's wonderful. Like that's the icon you want to support. That's the that's the reality, you know. And that's where I think we, if you want to, if you want to honor something, go buy a bottle of Uncle Nearest. That's where the um, all good things come from. Whiskey too. I think this is so probably not surprising true. That so the true. Fake syrup is not doing us any good. The whiskey. Is. No, let's not fake syrup it. <laughs> all right, you guys. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about how your garden is going. I'm yeah. excited to hear about that. And also, we're going to talk about your frozen pizza segment because I'm also excited to talk about that. <laughs> so we'll be right back. This is the weekly dish on my talk 107.1. Hey, everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota, and I just want to tell you how glad I am that we have a resource for farmers and food and agriculture in Minnesota. We are so lucky. It's one of the biggest things that our state is known for, and sometimes I feel like we don't get a chance to actually talk to farmers and find out what they're doing. And Common Ground, Minnesota is a, is, is a place on Facebook where you can ask questions about how your food is grown right here from local farmers. These are women who are volunteering their time to answer your questions and to engage in conversation. Plus, they'll show you cute farm pictures of their dogs. I mean, what's better than that? And they post recipes. What could be better than that? Common Ground Minnesota is a resource for you guys, and it's all volunteer-led. And I just encourage everybody, if you're curious about your food and where it comes from and the farming that is going on in Minnesota, you want to get to Common Ground Minnesota on Facebook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on this gorgeous Saturday morning. I'm Stephanie March. I'm being joined by Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning, friends. How are you? Everything is good, I hope. Yeah, everything's good. I mean, it's it's getting better. Yeah. It was feeling tough and then worse and then (laughs) worse We're just kind of waiting to see what July brings, I'm going to be honest. getting a little bit better, feeling um, hopeful about our community, feeling hopeful about lots of things. Yeah. Good. Well, and does your garden make you feel hopeful? My garden always makes me feel great. <laughs> you know, it was so funny because I was just last night looking at photos because um, I was looking for an, a photo I'd taken within the last month or so. And of course, you know, when you have 20,000 photos on your phone, stuff, yeah. that is my current situation. Oh, yeah. Out of control. Uh, sidebar, get a Google phone and it uploads to the cloud automatically. I know. Mine uploads too, but then it just keeps them on my phone too. Oh. And I have the biggest phone possible because I <laughs> never want to run out of space. <laughs> So, I don't know. Um, 
So anyway, I was looking back at May 4th, which was when I planted a bunch of plants in the garden. And it was so fun to look at the photo and see these little tiny seedlings yeah. that were just placed all along the garden beds. And then looking out in the backyard, which then I turned my head and looked out in the backyard, and it is overflowing. So um, not surprisingly, like I do every year, I overplanted, which is just my jam. Um, these are new garden beds this year. So they're three feet wide by 10 feet long. Oh, okay. So they're like long and not super narrow, but yeah. you know. Three feet is like an arms sort of span. Yeah, you never want to do raised beds wider than four feet. Oh, okay. That's a fun little pro tip for you if you're going to do raised beds, because if you do them wider than four feet, you can't reach to the middle. Ah. So you always want to have them four feet wide, you know, at the max by however long you want it. You can have them 100 feet long. I don't right. care. You know, you have as much as you have space for. Um, so my kale is going gangbusters. All my herbs are so good. We've been eating tons of fresh lettuce. Um, I have some Swiss chard that is looking very oh. sad. Oh, it's looking sad? And I've never had this experience before. My Swiss chard has always been so much that I don't even know what to make with yes, all of it. Yes, I was going to say my Swiss chard, whatever I've grown it, has been amazing. Yes. I think maybe it's in a very, very sunny spot. And so I'm thinking maybe like I just need to amp up the water. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I've got some leeks and shallots going. Uh, my tomatoes started blossoming. My cucumbers, there's already cucumbers on the plants and they're climbing up. And I've had best luck in my gardening career with growing cucumber from seed. But this year I did it from a plant and, oh. and it's going really well. Okay. Yeah, I have a cucumber plant that's kind of climbing a little bit. I haven't seen any nubbies yet, but... I feel like it's vining out pretty well. Oh, yeah. 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 It's really fun. And, you know, um, cucumbers, someone just asked me, do cucumbers, like, will they grow themselves up or do you have to train them? Yeah. What do you do? I do like a combo. So okay. I'll go out there. So I have a big, tall trellis that um, sits in the garden bed that is um, really cool. It's like a rusted metal stuff. So it looks kind of like yeah. cool and rustic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got it from Mother Earth Gardens in St. Paul. If you are looking for those, they always have really cool rusted metal oh, good. trellises. And I try to like buy one a year so I can justify. Yeah. <laughs> They're not super, you know, it's so not that you're not all trellised just, up. Yeah, and it's not as cheap as just like buying whatever kind of plastic thing, you know, but it it's, they're beautiful. I love them. Um, and so I'll, they will find their way for sure. But I like to just guide them a little bit. So if I see one of the little tendrils coming out, I just kind of tuck it around the trellis. And then it's so amazing because then by the next day, it's wound itself yes. around the, you know, the metal or the wood or whatever. And then it, it has another rung to climb. And yeah. I am there. I will never cease to be amazed by that. Yeah. I think I, that's the most miraculous thing that these plants climb to the sky and they find something and they wrap around it. Yeah, the little tendrils that come out reaching, that kills me. I love it. These little like viney things that then start to curl and you see them curling and you swear to God you could sit there all day and you'd never see it move and then you'd blink and it would be wrapped around. This is so true. Yeah. I think this is such a good thing of life to show kids, to show, you know, sort of the presence of, you know, just life in everything. It's not static. It's moving. It's growing. Everything is moving and everything is growing. And honestly, throughout this whole you know everything that's been happening because you know Steph we live in Minneapolis yeah you guys so live in the mix we live um right right in it and um it has definitely been very challenging yeah um and I would say that just <laughs> if there was like any gift in terms of the timing of all of this and I believe there's so much good that's coming out of it I do that being said um if there was any gift of the timing it was that the garden was growing and that every day I've been able to just see progress and see that 
And just a reminder that no matter what is happening and no matter what we as humans do, the earth continues to turn and yep. continues to move and continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And that if we all stopped, the earth would just go back to itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of those. Well, I mean, just if That's you look really at deep for a morning, it is. morning food show. But it this is. is where we're at. This is where we are in this world. And I'm OK with it. I am so OK with it. Hey, I do want to ask. Someone wanted me to ask you. Uh, how do you keep the squirrels out of your cherry trees? Um, okay, so I my cherry tree is at my old house. We're planting a new one this fall at oh. this new house. I had never had any problems with cherries. My mom in Burnsville, though, we got her a North Star cherry tree several years ago. She has netting over it. She also has a terrifying orange and yellow and black <laughs> face of like <laughs> like clown face. Oh, like in the tree? in the tree to try to scare things away. And they think it's deer that are getting all Uh, of her cherries because she will literally like have all these cherries and be ready to harvest. And then the next morning they're gone. The netting I think does help. Um, The netting definitely helps with birds, but I'm not sure about the squirrels. Yeah. And Hmm. squirrels are the worst. And I saw somebody else who had blight on their cherry trees this year. That was a new one. Boy, I've never seen that either. I know. That was a friend down south, southern Minnesota. She said, you know, it was... That's got to be some sort of fungal thing, isn't it? That's, I think, what it is. I think it's a fungus that she sort of doesn't know anything. Like, it it was a surprise to her, too. Yeah. And she'd never seen it before. I've gotten a lot of questions about squash beetles um, because people see them. I I didn't have them for a really long time, and then uh, the last couple years, I had them. The trick with squash beetles, because they can show up on any of your squash, so zucchini, butternut squash, whatever, and they will eat the leaves and then they will kill everything, um, is to take a little jar or container of soapy dishwater. Yeah, yeah. Go out there with gloves, find as many of the live squash beetles as you can and drown them. Oh, yeah. I know, this is aggressive too. And then (laughs) you need to lift up the leaves and look underneath and you will see little pods of eggs that they've laid. And you need to squash those suckers. Yeah. And you need to do it aggressively. You need to say... Not here. Not here. Not today, Beetle. Not today, Beetle. That's right. And you got to just, that's the best way to do it by hand. And if you can watch for them and just kind of, you know, the best thing with a garden is to just go out for 10 minutes a day. Yeah. And just pull a few weeds. That's it. And then just kind of inspect everything, lift up leaves and look at things. That's the best way because then you can catch stuff early. I think that that's true. You have to sort of pay that attention that, you know, it's just a little attention. Oh, you it's know? way better than going out there and then having it overrun with re- weeds. And then you have two hours of work to do. Yeah, seriously. Yes. All right. We're going to talk pizzas later in the hour. We're going to take a quick break. You guys, we come back. We are going to talk about state fair food vendors and where to find them. This is good. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on my talk 1071. Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks for joining us this, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a cloudy set. Here's my actual weather report for the day. It's kind of going to be kind of medium cloudiness, but it's not going to rain. So I think that's almost just like I nice. Know, Hope just said spotty thunder showers this afternoon. Really? Right, Hope? She said that. I, I did say her. that. I'm hoping it won't come <laughs> until tomorrow. I'm thinking I'm, it's going to push. I'm hoping it's pushing through, but there's a very slight chance. Okay. All right. That's fair. So just I made a mistake prepare. by taking the top off my Jeep is what you're saying. <laughs> Oh, Maybe you'll be good. You'll just, be fine. Yeah, it'll, be fine. <laughs> it'll just be a little splash. Which I'm fine yeah. if it rains in my car. Let me just be clear. 
That's okay. That's great. I know. It's oh, why I have a Jeep. So Jeep obsessed. I know. We count Jeeps. They love Jeeps. <laughs> they shout when they see Jeeps. Oh, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. I actually would really love it if you would pop over and then we could just take them on a little drive in a Jeep with the top down. Oh, we are 100% going to do that. Because they would lose their minds. Okay. I'll take the doors off too. Well, that's so cool. We'll take the doors off. We'll take everything off. And then we'll just go naked jeeping, as right, it were. He said to me today, Mama, can we get a convertible? I said, I I just don't think right now we're in the market for a convertible. <laughs> but I like where your head is at. But I like the feeling of joy He's that cute. this is sparking. Yes, 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 this is a clear spark of joy. Remember when you were a kid and you just thought convertibles were like... I mean, I still think convertibles I know. are so cool. I know. I mean, every every 1980s movie definitely told you that it was the coolest thing to do is to drive a convertible. That's why. I think it's Ferris Bueller's fault. It 100% I is. I think that's it. It's it. Uh, speaking of sparking joy, um, there is something happening here uh, in the Twin Cities that I think is kind of remarkable. And it makes me, it, it again, it gives me that moment of like, God, I love Minnesotans. It's a movement. It's a movement because... I know that the biggest heartbreak, or not the biggest heartbreak, I shouldn't say that, but one of the big heartbreaks of summer has been that the state fair is not going to happen this year. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a pretty big one, and it's a and it's kind of a, a like across the state heartbreak, right? I mean, like people everywhere were just sort of like, oh, yeah. that's a bummer. And it goes, I mean, it goes beyond like those of us who just love to go for a day. Yeah. I mean, they're really they're huge economic impacts. Oh. I think also for kids who do 4-H. Mm. And this is, you know, such a big moment for them. That's really disappointing. There's yeah. just all sorts of sadness around not having the Minnesota State Fair. I still can't quite believe it's happening. Plus, I, know. I was going to be eight and a half months pregnant, which was a double-edged sword because if it was hot, I was going to be really crabby. Yep. That being said, I was also just going to eat everything. You were going to eat every. You had a ticket? Like, I don't even care. No, you had a ticket to eat whatever you wanted, <laughs> like in whatever quantity. So yeah, true. That is hard. That but- being said, you can still track down some fair food. This is a really cool mm-hmm idea yeah i think the idea that uh these state fair food vendors and and actually county fair food vendors you know this is not just this is remember that all the county fairs got canceled too you know or have been mostly i think there's like one up in like you know uh lake of the woods that is happening yeah and they but, said we don't care i the dakota county fair is a real hoot and a half it's well so okay so here's what's happening though the dakota county fair is do okay so first of all let's say that the state fair food vendors are kind of popping up in parking lots and you know and and brewery parking lots all over the metro like harley davidson and eden prairie had a huge the donut family guys they were parked there you know the un uh, under pressure brewing had the corn dog and the cheese stick guys and so and the cheese curd guys and so you know they're all over the place and i think that they're going to be kind of like parking for like a month and then maybe they'll pick up and move to another part of the area and there's a fair food finder facebook group yes that's where because if you're going well how am i going to find out what's at the menards in eden prairie i mean you know, right it's a fair food finder facebook group that you join and then you can find out where all these places are and you can make your pilgrimage accordingly. Yeah, and I love the fact, so we did a blog about it and I embedded the map in the blog so right. that it's easy to find if you want to go straight for the map. We're going we're gonna to put up a link up uh, to the blog because you can easily just click in and there's the map. But if you want to go to the Fair Finder group, it's also linkable through that blog. That's where you kind of like see what people are talking about and that's where people put new things like they've discovered or vendors, you know, put their hours and all that kind of stuff. So I just joined it just while we were talking. Perfect. Perfect. It's like I kind of love the idea that everyone's like, ooh, the crispy tacos or ooh, this and like, look what I had. And then you can see some vendors are saying, you know, 
they'll put their things up and they say, this weekend only we've got the Blooming Onion or, you know, those kind of things. So it's kind of, you kind of need both. I love the fact that you can have both. Here's a thing that is happening that I, the Dakota, the Dakota County Fair in Farmington, you guys, is opening on weekends just for food vendors. So they're not oh, hosting a fair. They can just park there. But they can park there. They have the grounds. The grounds are there. The grounds are empty. And, you know, they're not like loading in animals and rides and everything else. But they're saying, you know what, if the food vendors want to use the location, they can do that. And then you can socially distance yes. and be outside and do the whole thing. This is brilliant. Like So so through July, I think there's a couple weekends they have set up and different vendors are coming to set up. And I'm sure it'll grow. Oh gosh, but I'm I mean, proud of you, Dakota County. I know. I thought this was so brilliant. And I love the fact that this is really a movement to support these vendors. I mean, not only are we, of course, wanting our crispy tacos and our pickles, but it's something about giving these small operators something, you know, of a economic boost. Listen, there are already almost 123,000 members of this Facebook group. <laughs> the fair. I got to tell you, when I put up the uh, the blog on Monday morning, um, because after I left the show last week, you guys, is when I, I went out and I met up a friend and had a happy birthday moment. And then I went out to this brewing place and I was like, I'm going to stand in line for cheese curds and a cheese on a stick. Like, that's just what I'm going to do today. <laughs> and it was very much like, you know, it's the camaraderie. People were sitting around on the grassy knolls of this parking lot. And, you know, and I thought this is the community thing. This is where people are absolutely, you know, they kind of it's it's like it's that shared moment. And we're kind of looking for those shared moments, I think, that we can have because we can't really have them, you know, I know. close. No, we can't. No. And so you can go to St. Cloud Fair Food now be open seven days a week, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. If there's still a crowd. Oh, and they've got all these concessions ready to go. Yes. Um, The owner of St. Cloud based Miller Concessions said they first opened two weeks ago in the parking lot at the Crossroads Center Mall. Yeah. So if you're headed through St. Cloud to go up north or something. Yes. I mean, oh, there's stuff up in Hinkley. I think there's a there's yeah, I think there's there's uh, the there's a huge collection of them. Um, off of, and this may be that one. Maybe that's the one off of uh, 35 and 70. Uh, no, this one's in the, I don't know where the Crossroads Center okay. Mall is. I'm not familiar with my St. Cloud Mall scene, yeah, me but either. that being said. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I like seeing the images of all the big, like the big cheese curd stands and yeah. all those are all sitting in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. It looks simultaneously happy slash sad. Yeah. Because it's like happy to see them, but it's sad to see that they're in an empty mall parking lot. I know. That is the hard part. But hopefully, you know, I mean, traffic is traffic. So hopefully we'll grab some of that stuff. But I got to tell you that JD Concessions is at Under Pressure Brewing, which is right behind Lot 14 in Golden Valley, you guys. This is where I stopped last week. Great. There is the pickle stand. It is the fried pickle stand. Yes. And it's got ham and cheese wrapped. Oh, my God. They have got cream cheese Pickle, you know, you and I love the pickle dog. I, I know this about it. us. I love it so much. And they have deep fried it. Oh so. my gosh. I know. I might have to stop there on the way home, you guys. I'm just telling you, I might. They're there from 12 to 7 p.m. today. I think that might be have to be a stop. And that's that, also just a side note. If you haven't eaten at lap 14, you're missing out on a really glorious experience have in you, Golden Valley. Have you done, I mean, have you been there since they've done I the patio? I the takeout, no. Or the patio. Okay, no. so to be clear, I love what they're doing about this because this is something that my mom and I were talking about when she's... You know, she doesn't really want to go out to a restaurant. She doesn't want people coming to the table a lot. So doing this kind of thing where she can go in and grab the table, then I go up and get the food, and then I bring the food to the table. So I go up and you order it at their window, or you pre-order it for takeout, and then you can get cocktails, and you order those, and then you grab those, and then you just go and sit at your table. And so no one comes to you. It's all... You know, but you're still there and you still get hot food and you still get cocktails. That's awesome. I know. 
I'm super excited about those kind of ones. And those are like Pig Ate My Pizza. We were talking about that too. Um, okay, so State Fair, can I ask you, Elizabeth, what would be your, like, if you could have like a Dream State Fair booth, like show up like in your neighborhood, what would it be? Oh, the, I would love it if, well, the pickle dog for sure. Yeah. But also I would love it if a turkey to go like sandwich truck would just show up right in front of my. <laughs> Is it that you door. want the sandwich or do you want the actual turkey leg? Uh, no, I want the sandwich. Okay. I love the sandwich so much. I love how the bottom of the bun gets soggy. Yeah. I love everything about it. And it also makes me feel like not weighed down, just happy and energized. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, and it reminds me of when I walk in on the fairgrounds, the way that, you know, our shuttle bus drops me off. Yeah. And then I walk to the KSTP building. Yeah. I walk right past it and then I'll often stop and just get one. See, because I know. it's and then it's just like a quick little lunch, it's, and I love the crew there. And yeah, I think it's great. I do too. I do I, love that place, and I, I also love that it's right across from the poultry barn because then I think people understand where their turkey comes. Right, from. there's a little bit of synergy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to tell you guys that you know that my favorite thing is the pretzel. You know, yes, I have that. Love that I have that pretzel. weird love for that I pretzel. Think of you every time I walk past, I, know, I can't. And it's of course it has to be the right pretzel. It's the pretzel lady at the pretzel house. Here's the deal: she's shipping. Right now, Great. like you can, she's making the pretzels and then you, she, she like freeze packs them or whatever, and then she's shipping them. So I am about to order my, I just found this out yesterday and I'm like, well, I'm going to order my pack of frozen pretzels and then just like every couple of days, just put one in the oven, warm it up and I'm good. Such a good idea. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. That's really fun. It'll be um fascinating to see what happens to the fair yeah. next year and how it's going to be beyond record crowds. Oh, I know. I think we're we're all. <laughs> yeah. Can we get two million in on one day? I think that's going to be the case. I'm go. a little terrified. Actually, and we might have to like reserve oh, time slots or something. Oh, God. Like, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't it. know how we're going to do They're it. We're going to have to mow something down and expand the fairgrounds. I think they are. I think that we're just going to have to. Yeah. My God. Where's it going to go? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So you can go ahead and give us a call. You can tell us about your state fair love. You can ask us gardening and food questions. You can do whatever you want. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back to take your questions. This is uh, The Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. And it's kind of the Ask Stephanie and Elizabeth portion because Elizabeth Reese is here with us today. I'm here. Yeah. You're here. You're right you here. You can ask me a question. If you, you can want. ask. You can ask her. Uh, 651-641-1071 if you want to dial us up or if you want to throw us something up on the Twitters or whatever, kind of an email, however you got it. Um, I do want to talk while we're waiting for people to get their phone dialing in. I want to start talking about your pizza situation. Ooh, let's do it. Let's Let's do it. Okay, so my husband Jay and I did a really fun um, frozen pizza kind of review segment, but mainly more of an awards ceremony. Yeah. For Twin Cities Live. So we've been, we started doing, this was before the pandemic, but we started doing Friday night pizza and movie nights with the kids. So every Friday we pick a movie, we do pizza, and we either order pizza, sometimes we make it homemade, but generally not because, you know, we're working and it's kind of hard to do that on a weeknight for us with our kids being little. And then, or we do frozen pizzas. So Jay has been investigating all of these locally made frozen pizzas and has kind of created this collection of ones that we love. And so what we did was we shared them with Twin Cities Live viewers, and then we also awarded them um, based on four categories, best cheese, best sauce, best crust, and most memorable. 
Do you want to know who won? I do. Wait, best cheese, uh-huh. best sauce, uh-huh. best and crust. most memorable. And, oh, wait. And best crust. Oh, and best crust. And Be- most memorable. Okay, because what can can we can we wait? First, let's get let's let's I'll dig into your metrics for a second. What your best sauce is it like? Is it like taste wise? Is it like thickness? Is it amount? All of it. All of it. Yep. Okay, and can I ask about your crust? Yes. What's your crust metric? It's got to be cris- crispy. Okay, so it's crispy. It's got to maintain the crisp, and then it also has to be um, flavorful, like not taste like cardboard. Okay, because that is a key thing. Crust is crust is one of those things that I think people kind of throw away as far as a metric, and I think it's extremely important. It is really important, and the nice thing is is what happened when we assign these awards is then you can kind of determine, like, if cheese is your priority, yeah. then you can go with the best cheese one, which we gave to Lotsa Matza. Okay. Lots of matzo, fantastic. They use Wisconsin cheese and they are delicious pizzas and they have really like it's like the shreds of cheese are very wide and thin instead of being thin and small and like hard. Okay. You can tell. They yeah. like as soon as they start to thaw, they're like floaty cheese shreds i okay i love that i love lots of matzo i that's one of those ones when i am in a cheese mood like i know that i want the cheese like a lot of it yeah which is most of the time most of the time most of the time I yes mean. uh best crust yep. went to seventh avenue oh and seventh avenue like total sleeper hit they also have a little bit of spice in their sauce which we really really liked as well um but seventh avenue their crust is crispy and delicious and it is just the right um, texture and it has flavor. Okay. It's really delicious. Best sauce went to the classic, which is Heggie's. We love a Heggie's pizza. I might have had two Heggie's last night. Way to go, girl. There might have been two Heggie's in my kitchen last night. That is night. the way to do it. Yeah. I Just the classic pepperoni or pepperoni and sausage. I know there's a ton of varieties that people love, but I just, I kind of keep going classic. Yep. Yeah. We just, we love Heggie's and I just think they do the sauce right. It's not too sweet. It's yeah. not too spicy. It's not too salty. It's just, Really great. And I got to tell you something for me on the sauce side is that there's enough of it because oftentimes there's been pizzas that I get like you get it's only in the big like in the middle or something. And by the time you get to the end, it's kind of like nothing. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I have sauce on my shirt yesterday because (laughs) of the very end of the pizza at Heggie's. Yes, that's very true. That's good. And then a most memorable went to the Coney pizza, which is available at Tappers, which is a lovely bar in West St. Paul. Oh, and Jay discovered this through some friends who are St. Paul natives, and uh, he has fallen in love with this bar. And, you know, in our family, we love, like, kind of a divey bar where you just become friends with people. Of course. That's our kind of bar. Yeah. Um, and Tappers is so good, and they make their own frozen pizza. They don't make the crust in-house, but they make everything else in-house. And the coney is as follows. The sauce is actually like a chili dog chili. Yes. And then they put... Hot dog slices, Wait. all beef hot dog slices, <laughs> thick, thick cut hot dog slices. Okay. And then cheese. And then they give you a little baggie of onions. Oh. Of like just chopped white onions. This, what? And you have to, so as soon as you put the pizza in the pizza oven, sans onions, you cook it to your desired doneness level, take it out, you sprinkle the raw onions on top, and then you drizzle yellow mustard all on top of the pizza. And then you eat it. This is insanity. It's phenomenal. What is this place called again? It's called Tappers. It's Tappers in West St. Paul. T-A-P-P-E-R-S? You got it, girl. And you have to just go there. Um, I'm sure you can call them and, you know, order ahead. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I would just check with every restaurant you're going into right now. Because yeah. for a while, they were. you could just call 
and then you could go and pick them up. And they come just wrapped in cellophane, and then there's blue painter's tape with just like a couple of letters on the written on the blue painter's tape, handwritten <laughs> to signify what type of pizza you've purchased. Okay, when you go to their website, there's a beautiful picture of their building, and then on the side of the building, it says home of the Coney Island pizza. That's it. Oh, my God. And they're really, I think, the only ones who are doing this. And I'm telling you, you think it's weird? It's not. It's so good. And their other pizzas are fabulous, too. And you don't, I mean, their building is so cute. It's super charming. West St. Paul. West St. Paul's where it's at. I might go grab some. We have a lot of family in West St. Paul. We're all about the West St. Paul. And then they have like pepperoni and jalapeno, sausage and jalapeno. They have a deluxe pizza. So don't be afraid to get many of their pizzas. I was going to say, it looks like, and so you do, you you call ahead and then you say, I want this stuff and you kind of show up and you pick it up. I think that's what you have to do. I would just check. I would call them if you're going there because I would just see how they're going. Um, Because, you know, everybody's shifting things every week, right? So in the olden days, I mean, Jay would just like go there for a beer and then come home with five pizzas. (laughs) We like to call it in the before. Yeah. Yeah. We call it in the before. We used to do this. That's what we would do. Yeah. In the after, I'm not quite sure, but I know they're open and they're just delightful people. They're really wonderful people that own this bar. And so I think it's totally worth going there just to pick up a bunch of frozen pizzas and get in on it with your neighbors, you know, yeah. call your neighbors and then say, I'm going to pick up these pizzas and, you know, get a few. Oh boy. It I was tell very you. fun. And now I've been getting, of course, inundated with other local pizza recommendations, which we know, and we were saying, this is not a comprehensive list. Right. These are just the four that are in our freezer at all times. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think we should all be doing our own pizza spelunking and ranking and listing. Yeah, this is a fun activity. Let's we get on it. Time. That segment's posted on my Facebook page if you want to watch okay, it. Okay, we're going to actually, we'll put it on our Facebook page too oh, so that we can talk about it. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll have the second hour of Weekly Dish. Stay tuned.